Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. The following message is part of our series called The Jesus Agenda, where we are looking at not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do. We hope you enjoy this message. So good. It's so good to be here. If uh, I want to reiterate, James is welcome. If this is your first time here, or you've only been here a few times, uh, I want to say an incredible uh, welcome to you, and I uh, trust that you will uh, just get something out of this morning, and can I encourage you, if you do have questions, if you want to know a little bit about what today is, because what we don't want to do is is have this understanding that you, you know exactly what's going on in here just because we know what's going on in here. Because it may be the fact that you are new to this whole church stuff. And you know what? That's okay. Actually, that's better than okay. And so I want, if you've got questions, please feel free to just uh, have a chat to us um, afterwards, we've got an incredible team out there. Grab a leader. If someone looks like a leader, grab a leader. Have a chat to them and ask those questions there. Uh, thank you, Stu. I know we've already thanked him for doing the car park. There's a guy who gave up his day. But, you know, right across, right across our church, we have these type of people. Uh, if, you, if you look behind him, the dude who's doing the sound for me, Brad. Brad, yeah, that's it. Everyone's pointing to Brad. Everyone have a look at Brad. Do you know this guy lives in Launceston now? He's a member of our church, but he lives in Launceston because that's where he needed work. But he made a commitment to come down, I think it's once every three weeks, and be part of this team and this church, his home church, to serve in this place. That's commitment, and that's what makes the church family so much fun. If you're not serving on team, I'm going to segue here, if you're not serving on team, you should be. Because it's about helping everybody else out. It's about making sure that everybody else has heaters on, lights on, those sort of things there. So that's not my message this morning. Okay, my message this morning is titled, Amazed to Amazed. Amazed to Amazed. And I'm going to look at two scriptures this morning. Uh, Both times Jesus is speaking to the crowds and the message doesn't change but their response changes everything. Let me say that again. The message doesn't change, but their response changes everything. For context, this first, uh, this first scripture, it comes from Matthew. And Matthew uh, had been writing his recollection about a series of many preachers that he held on the side of a mountain. Coincidentally, it was called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and these little sermonettes... I'm not sure if there's a word there, but these little sermonettes uh, were often very, very inspiring if you read through them, uh, sort of going through Matthew, I think it starts about six or seven or somewhere around there, Uh, very, very inspiring, but if you actually read through them, there's a number of these little sermonettes that also make you squirm a little bit and make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because they rub us. And, they, and as Jesus speaks into them, there's some truth there. And who knows that sometimes when you step into the truth, it kind of goes, oh, yeah, that one got me. Is it only me? It's only me. Cool. Well, for me, sometimes when the truth gets you, it kind of makes you feel a little bit, yeah, that one grabbed me. You know when, when that best friend, that, the one that you've said to you that you're accountable in my life and I, you can speak into my life, And you can tell me even the times when I'm not doing so well, but when they speak into you, you're kind of like, out of here. You know those sort of friends? 
Well, Jesus actually, on the Sermon on the Mount, had these times as well. Let me read Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, and it'll come up there. And it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's a mic drop type moment. That is a mic drop type moment. Verse 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand." The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, listen to this, church. It's just been a mic drop moment. Listen to this, though. When Jesus had finished roasting these, the people, doesn't actually say that, but when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That is a very powerful verse there. When they've just been roasted because they got up there and they're like, look at me, we're driving out demons and we're prophesying in your name and we are Jesus, you know, right here. Jesus has said to them on the side of the mountain, well, no, you're not. And if your house is built on sand, it's going to wash away. And it says very clearly that when they finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Last week, as part of the series, The Jesus Agenda, I, I spoke a message on how we need to be alert in order that we don't miss the message searching for the miracle. That we don't miss the message searching for the miracle. Today, I want to add a slight little twist by saying don't miss the miracle ignoring the messenger. Don't miss the miracle ignoring the messenger. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark. We've been in Mark for the majority of this series. Mark just makes it happen, I reckon. Mark's your doing type guy. Can I encourage you? We said at the start of this series, get into the book of Mark. Uh, for those who don't know the Bible, Matthew, Mark, it's the second gospel there. Get into, the book, uh, into Mark and uh, we're going to be reading from chapter 6 this morning. Mark chapter 6. And I find this next passage fascinating and in so many ways such a contrast to the passage I just read in Matthew, where Jesus laid down a challenge to the people, where Jesus said to them, check your attitudes at the door. I mean, the guys on the mountain copped a bit of a spray. And in their hearts, I don't know about you, these guys are sitting on the, on the mountain, 
They had their deck chairs up there. They're sitting listening to Jesus give his free little sermonettes. He's come to the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And they've just copped a bit of a spray. And they had an opportunity in their hearts to feel offended. But instead, we read that the response of the crowd was not offense, it was amazement. Yet in this next passage in Mark, we read a group of people who weren't sitting on the side of a mountain on, on, on tough rocks, they're actually in the temple, on comfy chairs, on beautiful red chairs, with economy X leg space between them. <laughs> yes, we are lucky, church. Can I encourage you, uh, get behind C3 Hewan Valley. Get behind C3 Hewan Valley. We got the opportunity to go down and visit what we believe God is placing for a site for us. And it's going to take some plastic chairs and sweep on the floor and old-fashioned church stuff. Because that's what it is about taking ground. That's what it is when we take ground in a place. We're going to go in there and we're going to sweep the floor and we're going to insert and put the, the stakes in the ground of Jesus Christ in that place. That's not my message either. In this next passage in Mark, though, we read that a group of people who were sitting in the temple on comfy chairs, listening to Jesus preaching, yet due to their response, they missed the miracle because they missed the messenger. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, which I don't often use, but it kind of really encapsulated what I wanted to say on this one. Afterwards, Jesus left Capernaum and returned with his disciples... So returned with his posse to Nazareth, his hometown. Everyone say his hometown. Nazareth was his hometown. On the Sabbath, he went to teach in the synagogue. Everyone who heard his teaching was overwhelmed with astonishment. He's in the synagogue. He's teaching. They're sitting back on their nice comfy red chairs and they were overwhelmed with astonishment. They were amazed. And they said amongst themselves, what incredible wisdom has been given to him. That's my Aramaic voice. They'd be stroking their beards a little bit like this. What incredible wisdom has been given to him. Where did he receive such profound insights? I need a better beard. Where did he receive such profound insights? And what mighty miracles flow through this young man's hands. I want to give a little context for, they, for those who didn't uh, pay attention in Sunday school. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth nowadays is actually a prominent place in the Israeli community. There's probably about 75,000, 80,000 people call that place home. But 2,000 years ago, it was a small, insignificant town with maybe 1,000 people at most. A place where everybody knew everybody else's name. Anybody come from those little towns? Where everybody knows everybody's name. It's a small, little, insignificant town. Uh, I'm going to take Stephen Furtick's line for this one. He did a really cool series called The Savage Jesus. But he, he said this about Nazareth. The only reason we know about Nazareth is because Jesus was from there. 
But the reason I want to focus on this is because Nazareth was no Jerusalem. And the mindset of many is, is that you have to be from a place of prominence to make it in this world. Remember that promise we just talked about? That promise that we just talked about is that you've got to be from the right side of the railway tracks to make it in this world. You've got to be from the big smoke. You've got to be hanging in the Sydney churches to make it world, make it in this world. Jesus was from Nazareth. It was small. It was insignificant. Everybody knew everybody's name. The fact that it says that you need to be from a big place, a place of prominence to make it in this world is a lie perpetuated by the devil. You may have come this morning and your family situation is diabolical. Your surname is, is, it just means badness has happened. And you might feel to yourself, I come from a place where there is no prominence in my family, there is no prominence in my, in my upbringing, there's no prominence in my heritage. The last thing you want to do is go and check your DNA and where your family tree comes from because it's just brokenness, brokenness, brokenness. Can I tell you, there is a lie that is perpetuated by the devil that says you have to come from prominence. All the way through the scriptures, Jesus used those who were broken, busted and beaten to share his message. At this point in the story, the people of his hometown are amazed. They've sat back in their red chairs, they've stroked their beards in their best Aramaic if they spoke that. I don't know what they spoke in Nazareth, but whatever, we'll say that. That, that, that they were amazed at Jesus. Why wouldn't they be? I mean... Imagine his disciples, they've come home, it's Jesus' hometown, the disciples are there with him. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of imagining, you know, those sort of, you know, welcome to this town, and it says, welcome to Nazareth, population, 804 people, and then there would be this, this bronze statue of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Are you with me on these? You know, those little small country towns where someone has made it big from there and all of a sudden, you know, welcome to Nazareth, population 804 and there's the bronze statue of Jesus. And imagine the disciples coming up, how excited they would have been. There's my man. There's Jesus. We're in his hometown. I love hearing when uh, Hobart's own Princess Mary comes to town. Yeah? Come on. You know where I'm going here, Hobart. We're not small and insignificant, but we all love when a bit of Princess Mary comes home, don't we? I actually worked with someone in the HR department at, the, at, um, at Ambulance, and her sister lived next door to, to Princess Mary's sister. Uh, sorry, she lived next door to Princess Mary's sister. And she said uh, every time Princess Mary comes home for Christmas or whatever it is, she has uh, this, this plethora of media just saying to her, here's an open check, how much do you want for your house? because we want to be in the house next door to Princess Mary. Yeah? Don't say you don't like when Princess Mary comes home. She's Hobart's own. This was Nazareth's own Jesus coming home. Great to see you, Pastor Ivan. I could stop here, and the title of my message, Amazed to Amaze, would make sense. We could stop. Amazed to Amazed. The people on the mountain were amazed, even though they copped a roasting. And now Jesus and his disciples have gone home to Nazareth, and we read that they're amazed. 
In our next series, we're going to be looking at the importance of putting on your armour every day. We're going to be studying Ephesians chapter 6. Put on your armour every single day. Because it is too easy, people, for us to become complacent in our Christian walk. It is too easy for us to say, I am a Christian, and then you walk outside, and it's kind of like you get hit by hail. It's like, this problem comes, this problem comes, this problem comes. We have to put on our armour every single day. I know there's a guy that I'm praying for at the moment. He came to me in accountability and he was, he's a bit broken in a few areas of life because who knows that we all get broken in a few areas of life and there's something that he's doing. Every morning in the shower, he is figuratively putting on his armour. He's putting on his belt of righteousness and his, his breastplate and, and, his, and his shoes and, and he's praying. And so when he walks out of the door, when those hail hits him, he's got the armour and says, give me everything you've got, but I've got Jesus and I'm going to give it back to you. Because that's what it's about. We can become complacent with God. And then we heard in Matthew chapter 7, When Jesus said in the sermonette, if our faith is not built on the solid rock of of Christ, then when we are confronted, our attitude can quickly change from being amazed at Jesus to a position where Jesus was amazed at them. You'll get that in a minute. Verse 3, back to my best Aramaic voice. Verse 3. Isn't this Mary's son? That's culturally so insensitive for the time, let me tell you, even though Joseph was probably dead. Isn't this Mary's son, the carpenter, the brother of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and Simon? I told you when you go to a place like this, everyone knows everyone's name. You notice how they don't know Jesus' name, though? They know every single sibling, but they don't know Jesus' name. And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? Isn't the Bible awesome? When you read it, it is alive. And don't all his sisters live here in Nazareth? And what does it say next? And they took offence at him. What has he done? He just preached a word in the temple and they were amazed. And it says here they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is treated with honour everywhere except in his hometown, amongst his relatives and in his own house. That verse breaks my heart. That verse breaks my heart. Because in verse 3, they're amazed at him as as he's in the temple. And I want to encourage us people that we can be amazed at 90 minutes inside the the temple, inside God's house. We can walk out saying the music was on point, and and it was. We have world-class musicians up here who are in touch with God, and there is a presence of flows in this place. James was listening this morning to what God was saying and he was outlying that. There was, there was some quality stuff there. He was just dishing it out there. And we can be in here for 90 minutes and we can be all smiles and we can be going, yeah, this is really cool. And we walk out into the atrium when we go beyond Sunday and we can take offence. Because the coffee cart didn't give me my best coffee this morning. Or I sat on the table by myself and no one spoke to me. This church sucks. How quick can it happen? Then when we can be in here raising our hands and amazed at our Heavenly Father, walk out the door and be offended. That's exactly what the people were. They were amazed inside the temple. They walked outside, culturally insensitive, and said, we took offence at him. 
This was a time when there was no Facebook or, or Instagram and the phone lines weren't great. But let me tell you, Nazareth, Nazareth was only 25 miles from Capernaum, a place where Jesus had miraculously healed a woman with, a with, a uh, with an illness that she'd had for 12 years. Can I tell you what happened in that place? 25 miles away, that's all? What's that, here to Hewan Valley? 25 miles away, Jesus had healed a woman who had been sick for 12 years. This woman had been sick for 12 years and could probably have said, I'm going to take offence at you, Jesus, because why didn't you heal me after the first year? But no, she was so desperate, she broke through a crowd just to touch the cloak of Jesus, yet in his hometown, they're saying, we want nothing to do with you, we're offended at you. 25 miles away. There is a weird phenomenon happening right here in this passage. And we could be quick to dismiss. In fact, my, ref my first response was, when studying this was to scoff at them and say, don't worry about them, Jesus, I've got your back. You don't need them. My first response was to say, I would never get offended at you, Jesus. My first response to them was to say, I'd never deny you or forsake you. And as I sat in my study, sort of, God, what are you saying about this? I had a bit of a righteous and a bit of a pious attitude about this. I saw myself sitting back in the red chair listening to the temple, the hometown boys in town, and he's speaking the word. And I'm like, I would never do that. I would never walk out the door and be offended at you. All the time in the back of my head, I heard this rooster crowing three times. How many times do we get offended with Jesus? How many times do we wake up in the morning and, God, I give this day to you, but when the first problem comes, we're quick to say, God, where were you? That's offence. So often we fight a culture also where it's the closest to us that ultimately reject us. I tried to imagine myself in the, as the disciples come home with Jesus to his hometown, got through the first part, their chests puffed up, they're pretty happy with this. And then they walk outside with him and people are saying they're offended with him. Yet on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a drop the mic moment where he gives them a bit of a pasting and they say they're amazed at him. It's often those who are closest to us that can be the quickest to reject us. It's almost like the folk of Nazareth have never been able to live this existence. And now they're confronted with someone who is going to challenge them by the message he brings. We don't know what the message was inside the temple, but we know that the message Jesus delivered was always the same, is glorify my Father in heaven. 
And although they were amazed inside, there's something that clicked at them that they've obviously taken offence at, saying that that's hit me hard. One characteristic I, ha I had when I, I lived overseas was the old tall poppy syndrome that we have here in Australia. For those who don't know from a culturally different background, a tall poppy syndrome is when someone, especially someone that we kind of know and have seen them flourish, they get to a certain place and they might be good sportsmen or, or businessmen and actually we try and chop them down. And do you know why I think it is? Is because we, have the, we don't have the tenacity to get up to where they've got to. I feel like this one's kind of getting in a bit today. Yeah? Often in the tall poppy syndrome is that we cut them down because we want to bring them back to our size rather than us having the tenacity to say, no, you know what, I'm going to come up to where you are. Thanks, John. I'm going to come up to where you are. And I wonder whether this was happening with the Nazarite people in there, whether they've heard Jesus speaking to them and he's given them something or other and for a start they've been amazed and then they've walked outside and said, well, no, we're going to chop him down. We're going to chop this hometown boy down to our level because we're never going to get up to his. Jesus says, don't get to my level. Jesus says, have faith in me. Have faith in me. Have faith in me. I will carry you. I will give you a Holy Spirit that will come, that will take you further than I can go. That's the promise. That's the promise we sung about. There's a final point to this story, and it goes back to their response. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 8, 1 to 3. Did we get that one up? Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, listen to these words. A man with leprosy, a man who couldn't even go into the temple, a man who was, was taken away from his community. He said, Lord, the man said to him, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I love this verse. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. I am willing. Be healed. I am willing. When we were amazed at what Jesus can do, when we're the woman who for 12 years has struggled and has to break through crowds trying to just get a touch of his cloak, just a reach of his cloak. Jesus, if I just touch your cloak, I will be healed. The man with leprosy, who has no community, he's, he's banished. He says to Jesus, if you are willing, please heal me. And Jesus says, I am willing. Let me flick back to Mark 6. Because this is the point I want to leave with us here today. Mark 6, verse 5 says this. Jesus was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth. Jesus, who has healed Jairus' daughter, raised her from the dead, 
Jesus was full of miracles. And it says here, He was unable to do any great miracle except to heal a few sick people by laying hands upon them. It took a fair bit to amaze Jesus. But verse 6 says this, He was amazed at the depth of their unbelief. We went from them sitting in a temple saying they were amazed at Jesus to them denying Jesus, breaking off the messenger, taking away what the, the flow and the stream. When you put rocks in a river, the rocks will stop the stream. When you've got rocks in your life in a little creek, they will stop the stream. And when, when the people from Nazareth says, we take offence at you, we don't listen to you, you have no authority over us, they put rocks up there, the water back back, and Jesus was unable to do a miracle. And He says He was amazed at them. He was amazed at their unbelief. Can I tell you this, church? Jesus' power was no less in Nazareth than it was in Capernaum. He didn't walk into this shield of kryptonite and it took away His power. His power was the same in His hometown as it was 25 miles away. But the people put up a block between them and God. Can I ask you just to close your eyes? Eyes are closed. We're going to be finishing the service in about two, three minutes. We're going to sing a song and finish. But it's upon me to put it out there. Have you cut off the messenger in your life? Have you sat in the temple before and listened to God speaking and you've been amazed at what He's done and things have flowed and some good stuff has happened and you've kind of sporadically said, thank you, God. Thank you. You're kind of awesome there. But for some reason, you've cut off the messenger. And the water's no longer flowing. And you're dry. And those buckets that used to be filled up, those buckets that used to be filled up are dry because you've shut off the messenger. And when you used to be able to say, God, you're doing miracles in my life, I had a financial problem there and God, you are good in my life, but you've cut off the messenger and now you're looking around saying, my bucket is empty. Can I share this with you? When Christ died on the cross, He died for everyone in Capernaum he died for everyone in Bethlehem where he was born. And he died for his hometown of Nazareth. 
And when he died, he took all of our sins, every one of them, every rock that we put in place to cut off the messenger, Jesus took them to the ground and he stamped on them. And when he rose, the waters flowed. The waters flowed freely. When he rose, the waters were resumed in the life. But it's up to us to receive them. Just as we're here right now, all eyes are closed. If you want to receive that flow from Jesus Christ, I want you just to raise your hand where you are right now. It may have been dry for a while. I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Your bucket may have been empty. Thank you, I can see that hand. Is there any others where you want to say, I want to walk out of here and I'm going to replace this flow. I can see that hand, I can see that hand. Is there any more? Thank you, I can see that one. Can we make sure our pastoral care team sees this? I see that hand where you're saying, I'm taking away the rocks. No matter what age you're at, no matter what season in your life, young adults, I speak to you right now. Keep your eyes closed. I speak to you right now. There is a flow that is coming. There is a flow that is there. The messenger is real. When Christ rose, He replaced those rocks and He said, let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. It is in you. It is in you to speak the Word. It is in you for it to flow into your universities and your school. If there's another hand there, is there another one? Is there another one? If you raise your hand, just keep them up so our pastoral care team can see them. Thank you. All of these hands. Fantastic. I can see this hand here. CJ, I can see your hand, man. No one else knows you. I know you, brother. I know you, brother. God is saying there is a flow He's going to happen in you, man. He's going to put your past life and there is a flow that is going to happen. When you step into what God has for you, there is going to be a flow that is going to happen. There's going to bucket open. I can see the hand at the back. I'm just going to pray a prayer right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. Just while your eyes are closed. I want right across this place. You may not have raised your hand, but your heartbeat might be going at 300 miles an hour. It's not too late. As I pray this prayer, if you want to raise your hand with them, just raise it right now. Don't leave this place. And just say this prayer as we pray it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for dying on the cross, for taking my rocks and boulders and that as you, were, as you rose again the water of, of your Father in Heaven flowed free Heavenly Father I am forgiven I am set free Heavenly Father I seek eternity with you and I thank you in your mighty name in your mighty name Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3h.life.